Blog Talk Radio. Mojo Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe.com in Phoenix, Phoenix, New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of Conjurman Consulting in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest, Madam Nadia, of MadamNadia.com in Chicago, Illinois, bringing us today's topic of self-compassion and conjure. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection. Using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work, as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you just get it from among those who signed up for the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Contraman. Miss Cat? Hi, Clifford. Nice to hear your voice. In our little pre-show talk... Um, I mentioned that uh, the topic of tonight's show is not something I know a lot about, and you said it was something you did know a lot about. So um, I think our listeners have a treat. We're going to bring you in as a fellow panelist and not just an announcer. So stay on your toes, okay, Clifford? Oh, oh, you misunderstood. I, I, I'm really hard on myself. I don't know very much about That's why we're going to bring you in. Uh, I, I you're going to be the. Up. You're, you're okay. going to be the man on the street who needs Madame Nadia's help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You're, this, is, this is a topic set for you, and I think it's great um, because you'll have the kind of questions to ask her that I don't. I'm um, blissfully unself-aware. All right, anyway, that was a little heads-up for Clifford. Um, let's see what's happening now at Lucky Mojo. Hmm. We are working on filling orders. There have been a tremendous number of wholesale orders have come in lately. It's been kind of crazy. And we are actually um, having to do out-of-stock and refund on some things that the wholesale orders are coming in so fast, we cannot guarantee that we have every herb or root in stock at wholesale levels. We have to keep some for our retail clients. And the herb market is gone collapsophone, just like many other things. And there's problems of distribution. Um, candles we've got, oils we've got. But I'm telling you, it's become very strange. Um, things are beginning to be better than they were, say, a half a year ago in the herb market, but they have not returned to normal. And the reason for that is that we always have to wait for the harvest seasons. Herbs cannot just be churned out of a factory on demand. And when you run on low on something and the year's harvest has not yet happened, that's it. And if last year's harvest was not big enough because everyone was in a lockdown, 
Well, then we're stuck with last year's harvest, and that's what we got. So please be kind to us and to all of your other great hoodoo and spiritual suppliers um, who cannot, witchcraft suppliers, who cannot get you the herbs and roots you want. They'll be back in stock, but we have to wait for new harvests in many cases. So that's the news from around here. The other news is we are preparing for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival in August. I'm working on my new upcoming book and I'll you know I'll mention a little bit of that at the end of the show but I you know don't want to bore you all by always telling you go get your tickets but you can and there's going to be 10 workshops and we're in this particular festival is going to be introducing quite a few new uh, people and we sure hope that um that's going to be of interest we have new members of air joining almost every other week. It's become a very interesting um, phenomenon. People want to join AIR and join Hoodoo Psychics. So um, next uh, Tuesday, a couple of days from now, we're going to be introducing another new member of AIR, and this will be the third or fourth one, fourth one that we've been doing in like the last month or two. So it's been wonderful to find all of these new readers and root workers um, willing to get out there and commit themselves to reading for the public and doing root work. So that's the news from around here. How are things with you, Conjurman? Things are, are well. I'm excited in, to see air thrive and more people join, the more the merrier. Um, it's always nice to have new colleagues uh, and people to work with. Been super busy doing lots of uh, really interesting things. Like I said last time, a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is um, navigating weather work, right? So people kind of, things are changing. Some people are starting to hope horizons or they're looking to the horizon and they're trying to find out, like, is this the year for me to make the leap? Should I be making a big move? Should I be changing my career? Is this the year I'm going to be getting married? Should I be planning a marriage? Or is it going to be weird at the end of the year? And so lots of kind of, there's an element of hope, I should say, particularly in comparison to where things were reading-wise a year ago, where there was a lot of anxiety. Am I going to still have a job? It was the real question that we got. And I think we talked about this, cat. Mm-hmm. that the COVID really brought about the job questions, right? We always get them, but this was very clearly like, am I going to be getting laid off? Lots of that type of stuff. So there's, you can definitely see the hope, um, which is interesting. I always tell people that uh, if historians ever wanted to write the what was going on in people's lives, what they should do is actually look at the notes of readers, Look at the mm-hmm. notes of readers and then track the changes and the trends, and you'll really know what was going on in people's internal lives. Um, so, yeah, it's been lots of really, really interesting readings. I do have one reading slot open. Unfortunately, I'm all booked for May, but I do have one uh, natal uh, reading still left, if in case anyone is interested in it. I do enjoy doing sort of the year ahead and life readings. But it's been really kind of a mix of diagnosis and and uh, looking to new horizons. So a lot of questions about like, I haven't been able to get a date in six years. Is am I being crossed? Is there, is there something in my natal chart? Is there something in my life? Am I being crossed up? Uh, am I under someone's curse? Questions about that, or or I always get money. I'm able. I have, any job, but I'm unable to save. So lots of kind of diagnosis and planning for the future type readings. And I suspect we're going to continue to see that through the summer. 
lots of love, lots of looking to the horizon, lots of diagnosis. As things start to change and people start to kind of adjust to, are we opening up? And maybe we're headed towards a different reality, even though, you know, you know, COVID is still around. The question now is, how do we make our, our lives go forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. I'm certainly seeing it, too. And yeah. um, I'm also seeing more, you know, we always talk about the sad woman reader, the woman who's lost her lover and is looking for help. I'm seeing fewer sad lover reading clients right now and more like I'm ready to move on um sad formerly sad women ready to move on so that's sort of interesting it has something to do with being springtime perhaps the pandemic winding Definitely. down perhaps but it's been it's been kind of nice to know that I'm not just being called to hold the hand of weeping women there's a lot more uh looking forward and i see that as a good trend uh, both in career and in especially in love all right well our uh guest today is someone who has been a co-host a guest and um is a good friend for many years mm-hmm. and a member of air um and just someone who all around has had a lot of influence on the reading and root work community has written articles done presentations at the hoodoo heritage festivals and so i'd like to welcome madam nadia the esteemed madam nadia (laughs) thank you thank you always a pleasure to be with you guys and um always um always excited to be here and have the conversation that we're having and uh, have to mention that uh, in addition to all the things that you guys said about me, I'm also a student of both of you. Uh, First Mm -hmm. and foremost, Catherine, and second, Elise, my Tata Kimbanda. So it's a a whole uh, circle of life that we're living and reliving here, and (laughs) I love the fact that we are able to grow and evolve and um, see uh, ourselves in relation to us in relation to the spiritual community and also being the people that perhaps the fastest to respond to the changing things in the environment and the society, just like what you guys were talking about, that the energy is shifting and people are looking for a different um, type of information. And in my mm. perspective, I see that there is less women that are uh, women that are whipping over men that they cannot have because uh, I think that one of the things COVID offered to those that were seeking it is time to really look inside. And you already closed up. You already couldn't go out. You already weren't, you know, in makeup or whatever, or already dressed and nice. You were there with your with your crap and your snot and your bad feelings anyway (laughs) so people did a lot of internal work and they started kind of thinking oh that dude that i was like dying to get for five years Mm. i paid you know all the psychics and i was all in he wasn't really meaningful now that i had a comparison to what it would be like if everybody in my family died and i was the only person left in the world or some shit like you know there's like perspective perspective, exactly yeah. So yeah. Per, 
and I, I love it because I think that we can see it in our readings that readings are so much more meaningful. I mean, people really ask some questions. They really want to grow. They really want to change. And whatever happens, they're not yeah. going back to whatever happened. And uh, in my personal life, it, was, it, it is also like that because COVID, um, in a way, forced me into a very deep spiritual um, uh, awakening and a, and a beginning of a spiritual journey that I see now how a lot of the things in the past that I studied and, and meditated upon are kind of came in suddenly supporting me um, in, in this journey and then supporting other people because the most that I've been doing is, is teaching. I don't know why and how because I don't advertise. <laughs> I barely have, mm-hmm. I, I have a, a new job. Like I'm, I'm so, 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 so busy, but it ends up being that I'm doing more like a, a life coaching and teaching a combination of things that um, a part of it is um, my understanding of hypnotherapy, part of it is understanding of hoodoo, part of it is um, understanding of uh, uh, some uh, traditions like um, Buddhism, for, for instance. I'm bringing mm-hmm. it all together and helping people to evolve. And a lot of, most of my students are, are people who are already been doing hoodoo for a long time. Yeah, but yeah. they have... They have bigger questions, you know, and I don't know if you guys are saying it, that your own students are sort of coming back and going like, whoa, I just had a realization, like, what's up? And, and you invite <laughs> me for conversation. But that's been my experience. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the interesting things that um, has brought up this idea of returning students and people um, taking something which they thought was a passing fancy and realizing it is a part of their life, um, we've been working at the Lucky Mojo Forum where there is a, I guess you could call it, private part of the forum, which is just for students of mine. And only students have the um, administrative ability to get into that place. And we decided to start a thread for each student. And I've had um, over 2,250 students at this time. And so there's going to be a thread for each one. And it's very interesting to see who uh, signed up for the course, who took the course, and who we never heard from again. There's other people who paid money to take my course, and we never heard from them again. And the next, I mean, nothing. I mean, nothing. They never said hi. They never said they got the book. They never turned in homework. They just disappeared. And so... It's going to be interesting to see because some people, once these threads got started, they're like, oh, oops, I took this course 10 years ago and never turned in my homework, and now they're turning in their homework. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny. I think it has something to do with COVID also. They're looking at unfinished business, and they're like, do I want mm. to die having taken this course mm-hmm. and turned in two pieces of homework and didn't turn in the other six? Mm-hmm. So. Um, there's been a, there's a big sea change in what people are doing spiritually, and um, oh, there's yeah. also a, a lot going on with what does it mean to be a spiritual worker. As time has mm-hmm. gone by through the COVID pandemic, there have been more and more reading clients of this show who want to know whether they have what it takes to become spiritual yes. readers. Yes. It used yes. to be it used to be all about the weeping women. But now we've somewhat become a show for the community of readers and root workers. And that is very gratifying Mm -hmm. to me because it means that 
that we are presenting something that can also be of help to people who can then be of right. help rather than just receiving help. So let's talk about the topic which we have, which is compassion, self-compassion. I couldn't even say it right. I really have trouble with this idea of self-compassion. Yeah, I don't get it. I'll, I'm going to start right off at front. I don't get self-compassion. I get compassion. Come is with. Passion is emotion or passionate feeling. Compassion is feeling with someone. Self-compassion, I don't know that there's anybody to feel it with. For me, I'm in me, and I don't, I'm unable to, I'm sure this comes from being an autism spectrum person. I know how to see myself. I'm not even mm. sure if I, I, I want to. Oh, you right? said so many delicious things in there. I'm so excited. <laughs> First of all, so let me let me say that, that there is a. I am a uh, not freshly, but I've a neurodivergent diagnosis across the board. So one of the reasons mm-hmm. I think that I am deeply focused on self-compassion is because I have so many ways. Uh, as a in my in my, I had so many ways all of my life to see myself. But I could not get self-compassion for the life of me. And the funniest thing, the most, it, it, it was ridiculous to me, that my first spiritual path is Hindu, it's, it's Shakta Tantra, Kali. Mm-hmm. And my name, initiation name that came from Ma, is Karuna, she who is mm-hmm. compassionate. And I, when I got it, I was like, that's cute, but what is self-compassion? You know, it was a, a trendy word, and I moved on with it. And then it came, up, uh, came back after my accident, and for those who don't mm. know, I was uh, mm. burned really bad while being pregnant. Let's not go into the gruesome parts of it, but when mm-hmm. I came out of the hospital and started rehabilitation, a beautiful uh, therapist, which I was not used to the idea of therapist, also came by and, and told me, so what kind of you know, uh, compassionate things do you do towards yourself? What is self-compassion? And I had the same big question mark in my head, and I moved on and moved on and moved on until many years passed. And uh, I really found myself in a place where I was uh, uh, disillusioned and broken and uh, needed yet again healing and started wondering, what is this compassion? What are people talking about? And self-compassion for me, and I will circle back to this idea, to all of these ideas and the ritual that I'm sharing today, is a place that we can enter within ourselves where we remove the lens of shame, the lens of guilt, and the lens of anger for a minute. And we allow ourselves just to be and observe what is going on with us. Okay? It's really... A simple, yet it's not simple, and then it's simple again, just like uh, Buddhism, just enli- like enlightenment. So uh, mm. <laughs> when we start sitting with ourselves, one of the things that's coming up is our minds, all the things that we need to do. And then mm-hmm. there is a lot of things that we do because we are, there is a programming, there is a certain set of ideas and rules that runs us and they governed by protectors, and those protectors are shame, guilt, and anger. Okay? And they came in for us early on to help us survive, especially for neurodiverse uh, friends. Uh, we, the, the people, we didn't know how to approach the world in the right way 
to survive in it, but those things came in and we knew that perhaps we should not do certain things because they're not safe. But then it became bigger and bigger and bigger and we started seeing less and less and less of our true nature. So what happens when we start going in the processes of self-discovery uh, and so self-compassion, and that is absolutely a spiritual path, is we discover more of ourselves, of essence, not something that we became because this is what mom and dad told us to be or this is because we were bullied a certain way or this is because this is the first language that we learned or because we were sexually molested or because we didn't have money to eat like other people. Whatever it is, uh, we start seeing, first of all, what is underneath that? Who, what, what is our essence? How do we taste? It's like peeling the onion. And the real smell of the onion is it's in its heart. So this is how do we really smell spiritually, who we really are. This is, this is a process of self-compassion. And the things that we are able to discover are amazing and deep and very liberating, extremely liberating. And the more we deepen into that, we also become somehow open to accepting other people's differences. And then we are really experiencing a, a sense of freedom because suddenly we have so much more space to come to ourselves and to people in front of us, people that we interact with, people that are in our relationship, and not to do things because we feel that we are uh, not doing enough or we're doing too much or we're angry because they don't understand us. But we can be fascinated by, by them, by what's going on because, because we, we, we are letting go a little bit of shame and of guilt and of anger, and it makes room to be curious about what is here, curious about the choices that the people that we love make, the choices that we make, to go, hmm, I see that I've been really passive-aggressive about this issue with this person, mm -hmm. but really it's about, like, why am I being passive-aggressive about what really is going on, what do I need, what making room and space for these things, and they're not cute. Like, it's not uh, mm -hmm. TikTok, uh, you know, you have to be an Italian model in, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, what outfits and or what kind of flowers in your hair to, to have a spiritual uh, awakening and deep self-compassion towards yourself and every other being in the world is with snot and with crying and with seeing yourself and realizing that uh, perhaps you weren't a great person or you were making mistakes and it's okay too because you needed mm -hmm. to make those mistakes then. But how will you know that it's okay that you made those mistakes if you don't even know that you have mistakes because you're just doing and doing and doing and doing and doing because it somehow seems that this is how the world works. So one of the things that happened in COVID is because we realized that death is really near us we kind of started questioning, the fuck am I doing this stuff for? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I working for this person? Why am I working like this? Why am I wearing these things? Why do I need to treat my body in a certain way? Why, 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 why? This is self-compassion. Mm -hmm. So a lot mm -hmm. say to yourself, you know what? I don't have to be a certain type of a body. My mm -hmm. body is made of goodness. And I'm going to be mm -hmm. happy in it. It's going to feel comfortable. I'm going to be great. This is freedom that when you see people walk in that kind of freedom, they're like the most attractive people in the world. And you wonder, what is it about them? They're not like perfect. They're not. It's 
because they have space within them, and that is a process of self-compassion. And self-compassion is making room and asking yourself questions without being angry at yourself, without feeling bad for doing things or for even asking those questions. Oh, my God, I didn't even know I wasn't asking questions. So mm-hmm. now all I do, I'm asking questions. But why? But why? And, and, and also, when we start going through this process of self-compassion, we realize that we take more space. And when we take more space, we have also more time to ask, but why? Like somebody is demanding something of you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to respond right away. You know that there is room and you can think about it. Mm-hmm. This has been my approach to self-compassion. Um, and it's been quite amazing to see what it's doing for me in my just daily interaction, it, what this idea is doing for other people. It's really simple. Mm-hmm. Really, really simple. Does that make sense in in any way, or can you relate to that? Because I know you you said, like, I'm really, I can't, don't even want to relate to this really, but can, I didn't do you say find I don't, anything? No, well, I'm sorry. I didn't no, you say, didn't say I don't, you don't want, I you said, say like, I don't want to relate to it, um, but I'm going to say something that Nagashiva, my dear husband, will laugh out loud if his mic is on. I lost you when you said Buddhism. <laughs> ah, we don't get the laugh out loud. <laughs> but it was um, thought. It was thought. It was thought. <laughs> For many years, um, Nagashiva, who has a specific interest in Buddhism, without considering himself to be a doctrinal or cultural Buddhist, but he has a very strong interest in Buddhism. When I couldn't get to sleep at night, I would say to him, "Tell me about Buddhism." <laughs> and yes. And I would fall asleep within 15 seconds, maybe 20. <laughs> and this is true. And he yes. would say, it's so interesting because Buddhism is about waking up, but something about Buddhism puts me to sleep. And again, I'm just going to, I'm going to just, you know, wave my freak flag here. I am neurodivergent. I don't get it. I respect it. I love it. I, I don't dislike it. It's like, um, Somebody all of a sudden telling me that I need to know about mm, how electricity works. And I go, I'm curious, but I'm not going to become an electrician. So I'm just fascinated by what you have to say. But I, and it all made sense. But when you say things like um, taking time and space for yourself, I go, I already have time and space. You see what I mean? I, I, maybe I don't have enough time and space, but then I'm mortal. So given the fact that I'm mortal, I never will have enough time and space. So um, I'm okay. You know what I'm saying? I, so I'm going to take myself out of this conversation completely, and I'm going to ask Clifford to say hi, because Clifford says that he has trouble being self-compassionate. Uh, so Clifford, are you here? I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, um, um, this whole discussion started because I, I had a rough here. day yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. It was actually the second passing from COVID, which probably start, set me off on a bad footing. And uh, I ended up uh, missing a deadline for a writing project. And uh, as I explained to my friend, uh, I'm, I'm sure some of you are, are familiar with the concept of flow. 
when you're working on something creative and it just is effortless. This was the opposite of flow. Every word came out wrong. It all seemed jangly. And I worked into the wee hours of the morning, hating myself, hating the writing project, the article more and more. And I, I basically sent it off to my friend, the editor, uh, around 4 a.m., giving up and basically added a footnote saying, tell me, be honest, whether I should destroy it and start from scratch. In the morning, she said, this is fine, only needed some minor edits to make a great surprise. So clearly I beat myself up a lot. What can I do to make my situation better? I think that uh, this is like, wow, we can, uh, you know, this is everybody who ever gets uh, into uh, 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 not a happy place with themselves when they're writing or in a creative project. Um, so one of the things that I think that is important to ask is that why do you get to that space? Because like, we all know when we start kind of getting stuck and it's becoming not productive, but we keep going. And there is a reason for that. Because if we're logically going to uh, try to analyze the situation and say, well, that's at 11 o'clock or at, like, at 1 o'clock, it was like useless. At that point, I was just upset and I was too worked up and what was going on. And this is, for me, would be a place that I would try to go in uh, when I'm making time to um, meditate on this. And I, I will hmm. try to position it as a... Well, I see that, and if it's, this is specifically if you can notice it if it's happened, because it definitely happens to me, where I, I just want to push through, and I, I get so into it that I would like, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing through, I want to make it happen. Why am I, like, for what, though? So I would go and I would start trying to make the connections and see if there is not necessarily, um, uh, if I can if I already know that I'm not productive here, or maybe I need a nap of 30 minutes, why am I pushing? And, and I'm going to look at it not in a I'm, a, I'm a bad boy for trying to finish a project, or I'm, a, I'm trying to be a good, responsible person. Uh, I'm going to try to see, I, I am doing all of these things, but underneath it, there is something else. What is it? And, 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 and when whatever shows up, then the next question is what and what else and what else because as, as you move on then there is less feelings about you having to stop and question it and more space about what's coming up and usually what's coming up is going to be also this revival of energy and flow that will allow you to disconnect from where you were stuck on and get a breakthrough and it will come from within you i believe that when we have these conversations those conversations are first and foremost was our higher self. And so the, the, the answers are there, but we need to know when to ask them. And uh, again, this is, uh, I'm speculating here and going with my intuition also, but if this is happening usually at, at certain type of projects, hmm. then in order to not to have it happen, you can make it, you, you can ask yourself, um, when did it change from flow to no flow, and what did I do, and then why? And, and, and sit with it, not in a critical way, but just to observe it. And I don't know, Ali, I know you are prolific in your writing and, and, and all kinds of things. So what is your, when you get stuck and you want to push through and it starts becoming not a productive thing, what do you do? 
Um, I mean, if we're doing uh, uh, <laughs> writing strategies, which is uh, slightly different than what I was expecting, but uh, I can off the top of my head just mention that uh, writing is always going to be a pain. It's a struggle. And, uh, some people write fluidly. Some people don't. There's always going to be obstacles. I'm a big believer of like when you run into a break, take a or you run into a wall to take a break, walk away from it, get some fresh air, reconnect, and then come back to it. Um, but I also um, I'm a big believer of writing as a craft. It's just one of those things where you have to keep working at it even if you don't feel like it and things suck and you just put something. Even if you're not doing anything, you should be editing, and then that that can generally help rebuild flow at least it does for me but I like I tell my students I have a hard time universalizing any strategies of writing because we are so particular when it comes to the creative pursuits some things will work with some people and some things don't work with other people I think we're you know to kind of bring this back a little bit to the question of self-compassion um, uh, to reorient it I think we're, one of the reasons why this is such an interesting topic is because it, it forces us to examine parts of our lives and strategies and our internal script in a way that we don't want to, <laughs> in uh-huh. a way that may not always uh-huh. be comfortable, right? Uh-huh. That the type of uh, self-talk that we have. And it's not always self-talk, it's self-thought sometimes, right? The things that, that we have in our heads going on that we don't admit that we always have. And that can be difficult and challenging to do. Uh, I really come from a very uh, kind of balanced approach for me is very big. I I grew up and was raised in an esoteric uh, Islamic tradition that had sort of pre-Islamic connections, that fuses a little bit of the sort of Judeo-Arabic culture of the medieval world. Um, And so compassion is very important and self-compassion is very important. But often for me, self-compassion is found through compassion towards others. So this is a big thing of that we're not growing up to how we understood. So I'm also coming to terms and learning more and more about newer concepts of self-compassion, but also how self-compassion can be developed as a strategy of healing um, and how they, we can talk about it as, as internal work. And please correct my terminology here, Madam Nadi, you're the expert. But like how we can see it as a form of internal work. Um, as well, because more often not for me, compassion was an act of, of if you want to be self-compassionate, you need to put yourself in positions where you're compassionate towards others, so acts of charity, acts of kindness, because when you're uh, critical and cruel towards others, you're also critical and cruel towards yourself, and it often is a reflection of either cruelty towards yourself that gets projected elsewhere. Uh I am also very hyper-conscious of the level of sort of narcissism that sometimes emerges around some of this language. Uh, I think there is a sort of, um, sometimes we see, yes, we definitely see certain, some therapizing, uh, certain, Mm -hmm. what I consider egotistical and narcissistic behaviors. Um, I think here, um, the kind of, some of the worst ways in which uh, words of activism that were generally geared around community and about helping your people has been turned into like these Nike slogans and it drives me up uh, a freaking wall, uh-huh. mostly because I'm like uh-huh. a deeply anti-capitalist person. But like, this is one of those things where I'm always very hyper aware of these therapies. So like one of the weird things um, that that struck me when we were talking about uh, a little while ago, Will Smith and Chris Rock, right? I have no opinions <laughs> about the Will Smith, Chris, Chris Rock stuff. I absolutely have no opinions about it. One of those rare people where people are like, do you have an opinion about the slap? Nope, no thoughts. <laughs> it is empty. I have no thoughts. 
but I, I will say the one thing that I has always I've always thought about was about Jada. Jada Smith has always struck me as one of those individuals, and don't get me wrong, both of these people could be very toxic, but as one of those individuals who has mastered the language of therapy to help explain mm-hmm. away a lot of her t- toxic traits. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be some type of that, that, some of that language that often appears. And so I think this is where self-compassion can be really important because it allows you to sit in a place of honesty, and you know, Madam Nodi can talk about this. It's not about mm. explaining away your behaviors. It's not about mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, I do this thing. It's okay." Pat on the back. Let's go have a cookie. It's about let me sit in honesty, recognize myself for who I am, but also find acceptance in that. And there could be mm. something really deeply beautiful and deeply healing about the ability to recognize who you are. I think in esoteric work, the way we would understand this is as mirror work, right? The light Mm -hmm. mirror and the dark mirror examining, you know, when people talk about alchemy, light mirror and dark mirror work, looking at those particular characteristics of ourselves, seeing which things that we can improve, which things we can become better at. For example, uh, I have certain habits that I want to change versus those things we can accept about ourselves and find beauty in that. I think this is also a why does it matter? Why should we talk about this in root work? Because this is a source of power. Root workers who don't, aren't unable to operate in this level of honesty or unable to operate in this level of self-awareness can sometimes have difficulty connecting with others. I can have difficulty being the reader that sees, you know, something in, a, in someone else. Um, and so I think there's, there's a lot here to tease out. Um, but we are in the realm of, I think, the esoteric and the deep mind, which is quite beautiful. Can I just speak up for um, autistic people everywhere? Mm, um, yeah. having, having no theory of mind does not make you a narcissist. No, of course not. A lot of times people think, well, if you if you can't look into the dark mirror, if you can't look into yourself, if you don't get it, whatever it is, which I've never gotten, they say, well, you must just be a narcissist. And there is this mm. idea that autistic people who are somewhat just contained within their own self, that's what autism literally it means, that they must be narcissists, which is not, by the way, to say that I don't agree with you that... Jada Pinkett seems to be a narcissist, as far as I understand what a narcissist is. Mm. Um, but but I have to just say, on behalf of autistic people who have been called narcissists, myself included, I don't think those are the same. And but no, they're you not. Said, in fact, I, but they absolutely just, are not the same. And I right. can see no. that you responded to something that I wrote, Kat. And I wrote, oh, no, narcissists I'm, cannot look into the dark mirror because it's yes. too traumatic. That yes, is that's... not autistic people yeah, and people yeah. with cluster B personality disorder, which is narcissism, as diagnosed narcissism, right. are two yeah. different right. things and can be coexisting or do not have to exist. This, there are autistic, autistic people that have narcissists. There are narcissists that have nothing to do with autism and, and um, has no well, connection to that. The reason, the problem is with narcissists is that there is such a very little inner self and such an amalgamation of mirrors that, that caught traits from other people and they just reflecting that, that, mm. that looking into the dark mirror 
and mm-hmm. they have no compassion and no empathy, so cannot do it to themselves. It's trauma. It's so traumatic that it can literally make a person go completely insane. And narcissists, oh, wow. while being narcissists, they're still human beings, and they became narcissists also because they tried to survive. Because yeah. um, they, when they were young and they tried to attach. Whatever was the other object, the person, the mother, usually, mm. was not able to. And so mm-hmm. they had to, to turn that aggression somewhere, and it becomes either aggression towards yourself or aggression towards the world. Aggression towards the world, this is narcissism. This is, it's a way to survive. And unfortunately, mm. the sad part of it is that they, they are so broken that you cannot, there is no going back, there is no healing, there is no remission. And a lot of them right. know that. They know mm-hmm. that they go, they're going to go to the, to, to, to the psychiatrist, the psychologist, and they're going to learn mm-hmm. what to say and what not to say because they're usually brilliant, and they know how to adjust because they need it to survive. Mm-hmm. But what are they going to do? They're not going to understand why it's not okay to abuse the other person, why it's mm-hmm. not okay to manipulate, because they feel that they're not going to survive. They're going to die. If they're not going to get mm-hmm. the attention from all the sources, they're not going to exist. We need food and mm-hmm. air. They need food, air, and attention. It's like vampires. Okay. They need to survive, mm. and they're here. So we need to understand this people. This is uh, we're going to have more and more and more of those people because of the, the information, how the world is, and how we are in our in our not able to bond and connect the same way that mm. we used to be. So we're producing more kids like that, and it's it's. So we need to understand what we're going to do. This is the compassionate part. If we can mm-hmm. understand that, we can be self-compassionate with ourselves, we can understand we need to do something. These kids are going to be here. What are we going to do with them? Are we going to put to use the fact that they can do certain things and cannot do certain things? Are we going to teach them hum- hu- humanities in a way that they understand early on why you cannot use your gifts for, for evil? And all of you that are sitting with me here as, as uh, magicians and root workers and sorcerers, you know exactly what I'm talking about because we also get to a place in our work where we understand that we can do things. We can mm-hmm. do things. And mm-hmm. we need to know when to stop, when not to do, and how to question ourselves. And this is exactly bringing me back to self-compassion because we don't, mm. when we are self-compassionate, we can understand that somebody maybe did something to us and it's not necessarily mean that we need to respond in a way that we were thinking to because they're really not doing what we're thinking and we have room and we mm. can sit and decide and we mm-hmm. exercise that muscle that we have more space and we don't have to like just go and uh, go after them. Or we can wonder why are we like, hell, if somebody is doing something to me or I'm even thinking that they're doing something to me, why, first of all, I'm paranoid, and two, why am I, you know, what's happening to me right now? Because I said yeah. to myself enough, mm. what's happening to me right now that I'm thinking that they're doing something to me? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've always called um, narcissism, before that word became so popular, in popular psychology, I used to call it Citizen Kane Syndrome. Um, after the movie Citizen Kane, in which um, I believe it's the Joseph Cotton character, uh, and also there's a couple other characters who keep on talking about this uh, mogul's need to be loved by everybody, that it wasn't just mm-hmm. for money, he had all the money he needed, and it wasn't just for power, he had all the power he mm-hmm. needed, it was that he needed to be loved, to suck up all the air in the room, as you would say. Mm-hmm. And this goes back uh-huh. to something that Contraband Ali said, to kind of focus back on this. For me, the way I was taught, having mm-hmm. compassion 
for others, including any uh, the helpless, the animals, the insects, all mm-hmm. forms of compassion, and for people and for you know uh, children. And there was kind of a you know the less that someone can provide for themselves, the more they are in need of charity. And the obligation that was in my family to provide that charity um, made it possible for me to um, work with others, even though I kind of don't have a theory of mind exactly. Mm. So I, but I could see suffering and that is a difference. But when it comes to my own suffering, that's what's so fascinating. Again, I'm just going to take a brief side trip here. Not everyone sees their own suffering. Clifford, mm. for instance, described his own suffering. I very rarely can. And so I'm curious as to, uh, let's go to try to bring this to the point of magic. Um, Who do specifically broader folk mm. magic, broad, broader forms of spirituality, the new thought movement, which Shiva has been circling around here in the in the chat. How mm. does one open up to self-compassion, not just to looking at what's bad about oneself, because I can identify those bad things and then try to right. fix them, but, um, but how does one open oneself up to forgiving oneself for errors, Mm. especially if one has a heightened sense of error. In Clifford's example, he felt he had committed errors of writing, which an objective editor said, no, you didn't. And there are people who have this heightened sense of error. How do you help Mm. them to feel at Mm. ease with themselves? I'm a, I'm a super, I'm a big proponent of bath and bathing work because there's an opportunity to sit with your thoughts, but there's also introducing the healing component of herbs who are powerful allies in healing. I do want to, before I mention the strategy, I do want to highlight real quickly before the thread is lost that Ms. Kat, you were talking about a really important dynamic there about how sometimes the language of therapy and the language of compassion, all this can be weaponized. And how it's often weaponized against, and we should name it, it's often weaponized against autistic people. A lot of the sort of activism that ha- has happened around autism, it's only relatively recent. I think people kind of yes. forget that. We, we often imagine ourselves as very progressive. I'm talking about like the last five years, right? It's like we're really just coming to terms with a lot of this type of language. Um, it's, and, and this is the same with all neurodiverse people, right? Same thing with ADHD, ADD, all these other mm-hmm. types of alternative ways of thinking. They've always been, the language of therapy has been weaponized against these individuals for long mm-hmm. periods of time. And accusing people of narcissism um, has definitely been one way of doing so. I do want to pinpoint that dynamic. It was a very, very important dynamic. And I think it's tied to the language of compassion, right? Because when we weaponize language, we're not, we're not Operating from a place of compassion, as Madam Nadia brilliantly put, we're turning that aggression outwards, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big so one of the one of the things I do work with clients about whenever it comes to some form of self healing, whether it's about self compassion or not, bathing work. One of your most powerful plant allies, in my opinion, is um, violet leaves. Violet leaves yeah. are so good for this. Um, if you can brew violet leaves into a tea, I'm a big proponent of adding a couple drops of Florida water in it. Florida water adds some clarity. 
Uh, coconut water and basil are also a really good mix. You can take some coconut water, some basil, some vi- uh, violet leaves, add a couple splashes of Florida water, and then soak. This is a type of soaking bath, not a bath where you sort of cleanse yourself, but you kind of let yourself soak in that, allowing yourself to sit with your thoughts, allowing yourself to interrogate, allowing yourself to also heal, to kind of open up and allow the hurts to be removed and the acceptance to settle in. So bathing work, I think, is really powerful for this type of internal healing and cleansing. That's a that's very well said. Um, I think I come the closest to what I would call self-adjustment, which may be what I'm calling mm. what you're calling self-compassion. I don't know, but I'm I call it self-adjustment. I come closest to self-adjustment when I'm in warm water. That's all I can say about that. Mm. So, like, warm water is what does it. Like, a bath, right? Like ba- a bath. Yeah, mm-hmm. a bath yeah, yeah. or a warm, a hot springs. Um, hot springs. You know, is that also tea? Usually, tea would do that like for you, a, like drinking tea? Yes, drinking okay. tea, yeah. Okay. yeah. Warm water, um, tea, uh, sulfur springs. I'm, I live in California where there are a lot of these sulfur springs. Um, a bath with... Um, Rose-scented soap is one that will do it for me. And I can then sort of self-adjust, I guess, is what I call it. So I agree with you that that would be a wonderful way to work, Ollie. Yeah. Madam Nadia wrote, walking barefoot. That's true. And I walk Mm. barefoot all the time. I only walk barefoot. I only put shoes on when I know I'm going to be walking on sharp, gravel or glass or when it's too cold. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are still, some of us, uh, living in the, in the Illinois, so <laughs> in, in the betonated spaces, so it's a little harder to walk. Uh, mm, I Madam think Nadia, that, would you, uh, say, would you say that the shoe, lack of shoes or walking with, is that like a grounding thing? Is that, what you, is that what, how would you describe it, like being I, barefoot? I... I what I wanted to say is walking barefoot, but preferably in nature. Because I think that ah, the minute we okay. connect to the vibration of Mother Earth, something very happens. Or for me, if I um, I was lucky enough to travel to the Virgin Islands twice, uh, and recently, and um, just putting myself in the water, I missed it so much. Just being warm salt water, it's like you just come out and you're a different person. It's like just removed everything from you. So I totally um, agree with you guys. And I think um, I wrote many years ago, but every um, major spiritual tradition, and not major, has uh, bathing as a precursor to the spiritual Mm. act. Right, washing mm. your hands, washing your face, uh, going to a mikva, you know, uh, different uh, collecting spring uh, uh, water and bathing yourself before uh, mm. doing things. So I I really like working with water and and understanding um, um, sort of wiring our brain for the hoodoo. This is my mindset sorcery kind of thing. Is that um, doing little things that are like this is the type of tea that I drink when I feel that I. Need Need to be um, to allow myself to mm. decompress, but also decompress enough to ask myself why was I stuck mm-hmm. without being mm-hmm. uh, being upset at myself, without mm. being like uh, being result oriented because I want to get back to doing, not because I want to get back to doing, because I want to understand me, 
Mm. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to re- remove, I'm going to drink the tea, I'm going to walk mm-hmm. barefoot, I'm going to take a warm bath. Or, and, and we, if, if you want to do the work of self-compassion, then uh, perhaps maybe like let's do uh, the, the drink, this, this specific tea or this specific bath soap are when I do this kind of work. And I mm-hmm. make it a ritual because for me everything is a ritual, right? If you, uh, I could light the candles and say prayers all day and inside, like no matter what else I do in my like this is. And I know you guys are living this life also. So uh, everything, if we make it a ritual, but we say this is for that time when mm-hmm. I need to to disconnect and 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 make space, and it's okay. And I don't do it another time. Mm. So this could be a, uh, this could be a thing. Another thing that I like to do for me is uh, um, uh, if I want to do any kind of work that requires me to sort of disconnect from what I was doing and be okay and productive and, and good to myself and also see what was going on is uh, um, cutting on sensory input, uh, mm-hmm. so going to like a darker room, but maybe... Uh, putting something on my face, so, so uh, mm. lavender and adding the same violet that I really love and bay leaf and creating a little pillow that has some weight, put some rice and a spray mm, over it that's great. on your head. This is the thing that's like you, you know, feeling soft and, 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 uh, and uh, putting a little bit of pressure and cuts your thing off maybe after you mm. take a bath. And here is another ritual. So uh, one thing that I want to mention I think a lot of, and especially I see it in women, and this is uh, capitalism also, that, that self-compassion and um, self-care and being good to yourself equates spending a shit ton of money, which is mm-hmm. not true. And so here you can absolutely go the old hoodoo. You have an old uh, flannel shirt that got ripped. Take that, fill it up with some mm-hmm. rice, with some lavender, with some other things, and make a little pillow. Sew it together. Pray over it. Invoke your ancestors. It's going to be coming in touch just with you. Mm. Invoke it just like you would do a mojo bag. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. the little... So, uh, and this is kind of like the gift of hoodoo because hoodoo is so practical that you really can incorporate everything with everything and to help you like achieve mm. your goal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to mention uh, collecting of waters is really, really cool. Um, so this is a, a very old-timey way of working. Uh, collecting the seven waters is very powerful for this type of healing, and I think can incorporate some of these different elements of, for example, bathing, water, but also walking barefoot. I know it's become uh, people sort of collect waters now by having people send it to them, and that can certainly work if you're doing certain mm-hmm. spiritual works. But I think in the way that Madam Nadia is talking about here, um, about this sort of internal journal, journey, the self-compassion component, but also if you want to incorporate the powers of like being barefoot in nature, uh, collecting the seven waters yourself could be in and itself a very powerful magical act uh, and one that can really help facilitate this process of healing and self-compassion. But this can be really useful. Um, this is an old-timey way of working in which you want to collect water from seven different sources, so different types of waters like well water, ocean water, river water, lake water, and so on and so forth. And you collect these seven waters, uh, and then they act as a healing ablution. But they can be used in the same sort of bath that I've uh, mentioned here as a way of really addressing, you know, or facilitating this process. Because root work is a powerful healing agent, and the root worker, after all, has been called by anthropologists the poor man psychologist. 
right? The poor man's therapist mm-hmm. is what the, the root worker was. I wanted to ask about Amnadi here. Um, is this type of work something that you, because this is very, this is in-depth work. This is not client comes and I want you to light a candle so I can pass my examination. This is really like right. helping the client build, not just heal, but also help the client build uh, a life approach, what you called mind sorcery, right? Like the way of really fixing what works, not just what works for you, but like what is tailored to you at the psychic level, we'll say, right? What is tailored to you at the psychic uh, level? Is this something that you offer clients or is this something that they can expect? Or where can they find more about this? <laughs> so what I really do is help clients figure out how they can use that process for themselves with everything that's coming up and how they system and their approach to magic works in order to continue and building and fortifying themselves. Because I don't, the one thing that I really don't, cannot stand anymore is this um, becoming an addiction for a client. Like somebody who's, oh, they have a thing for me. Like, and you know that you're not helping them anymore. I don't mm-hmm. want to have these relationships. I want to have relationships with, with folks that can, you know, if they want to continue coming back to me, that we know that they're working on a way for them to develop a system that works magically and emotionally and spiritually. That is a personal thing, and this is, this is um, uh, an ongoing sort of relationship that becomes between me and, and that client but then on, they take on, and most of the people that want to do that, those are people that have been doing magic for a while, but they get stuck. Um, um, and they, they find themselves being, uh, I feel like, very um, intellectual about things, having a lot of knowledge, but then getting stuck in their own personal things that, that limit them, and they, they sort of come back and, 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 and make the same mistakes, and they don't know why. And a lot of times it's because they do not know really how to uh, self-inquire at all. Like no, no, uh, no dark mirror work at all. No, no, it's it's too hard to, um, too scary to to look at that because they feel like they're not going to be good enough. And so part of the work is to establish new rituals and new ways of addressing yourself as good enough, creating ritual spaces that are about you and you feel okay with that and you don't feel bad that you're taking space on, on a, from, from the rest of your family or your other deities don't get enough or whatever it is. Um, I find that um, working with the ancestors and uh, mm. coming back to that connection is deeply meaningful and uh, if you can work through uh, your own shame and anger, and it's not uh, the thing is, it's not about um, uh, that you're the things that are bad in you. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. Why why do I get stuck in certain situations, and what is hiding when I remove those filters? When I stop getting, you know, like a Sims character stuck in with my head in the wall because I'm doing the same thing and it's not working because I think that this is the good thing because this is what people do, but that makes me upset and it's not really making any, not moving me forward. I'm stuck in a relationship and I'm stuck in this relationship because I think that everybody else wants me to be in this relationship. But I want, I want to figure out connecting to ancestors is, is one of amazing ways to move type of, of, of shame and hurt 
that is stuck in you and you don't even know. And mm. I'm going to bring it to the, to, the, uh, um, to the spell as well. But we carry a lot of that also. Wow. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Nadia. And I'm, I'm sorry for being a bad co-host, cause, but I thank you for teaching me something that I don't, don't know much about. And um, keep on teaching me. I'll try to learn about it. Um, we're going to um, go to our client. And so we're going to bring Clifford in to read our client's question because I believe our client is not present with us. Okay. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, located online at luckymojo.com. Uh-oh, not hearing Clifford. Not hearing anything. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, now I do. Can you hear me at all? Okay. Yes, I can. Okay. Yes. Let me let me go back to the big let me go back to the beginning. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call one eight eight four hoodoo or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org and now it's time to go to phones and not talk to today's client. Um, <laughs> the caller was Fran calling from area code 253. Uh, she writes, the current marriage I am in, is there root work being done on my husband to keep him away and have us arguing all the time? Is there root work slash curses on me or my family? What are the true intentions of my husband? What do I need to do for my business to bring in financial money and not debt? Turning it over to you, Miss Cat. All right. Well, um, I'm going to just um, start in on this. Because Fran actually asks so many questions, I'm going to compress the first two questions. Current marriage I'm in and my family. Is there root work being done? Me, my family, and my marriage. The true intentions of the husband would be another question. And so would the businesses. And this is so interesting. The business question goes back to what Hunterman and I were discussing at the very outset, um, mm. the kind of questions we've been getting. Uh, so I'm going to just start with those first two questions compressed as one. Is Fran or L under a curse? Is root work being done to disturb the marriage and or the family and or the person? Card number one says to me that there is something going on, but it doesn't look like a major curse. The reason I say this is the first card is the card I call the card of self-doubt, the page of swords. This is someone who runs into a field waving a sword, prepared to defend and protect themselves and maybe even gain some territory, but suddenly they turn back and look back over their shoulder. A voice calls out to them, a situation requires their attention, and they they turn back to the past. So I would look at this as possibly, if there is a curse, it was something in the past which is being re-stimulated, or that the client feels self-doubt and is unclear and unsure on how to go forward. There's a bunch of birds in the sky, and those represent crowd, the group, gossip. 
And there may be a sense here that other family members or friends or the general social sphere that this person travels in is encouraging the idea of casting about and looking about yourself. Are you being attacked? So there's there's a, a kind of a lack of centered will in this card. That's why I call it the card of self-doubt. It is not a curse unless the curse was a long time ago. Um, card number two is a card that shows difficulty, but again, it's not something that's happening right this minute. It's called the hanged man. This is a trump card and shows a a person hung upside down with a halo around their heads, which would indicate they believe themselves to be innocent. They are not being hung by the neck until dead. It's not a lynching or an execution. They're being hung by their foot. They've stepped into a snare, got trapped, and got hung up. They have their hands behind their back and cannot untie themselves. This says to me that anything that was done is still lingering because the client cannot take it off themselves. And they would do well to seek the help of a spiritual counselor, a priest or priestess, a root worker, life coach. Someone needs to help them get themselves unwound. But the condition has been there for a while. And they are unable to uh, think themselves out of the problem. The third card says that the problem, which has been ongoing for a while, is going to result in some sadness, unfortunately. And this is not necessarily the result of a curse, but there, the outcome is not particularly happy, and I feel kind of, you know, sad for this client because what I'm seeing here is a card that is called the Three of Swords. And the Three of Swords shows a big red valentine heart in the sky with rain clouds and three swords stabbed through it. Again, it is not always the card of a curse, but it shows that at least three different areas of life are being impacted with sadness. And the these can be, you know, health, wealth, and sexuality. They can be three bodily systems such as, you know, the kidneys, the lungs, and the heart. They can be three aspects of a job. It, it, it can be three of anything. And it even can be three people. And when we talk about a marriage, that third person is kind of there. But whether that third person is an outside lover or a mother-in-law, the client didn't ask. And in a three-card reading, I'm not going to make a guess. Had the client asked who is doing this, you know, once having been told, yes, there was something done in the past, who is it, I would then go to a, another row of three cards. But just with the three of swords... I cannot say what this is, but it's a stress and strife card, but it's not always a card of a curse or root work. It can be social stress or strife. It can be health stress or strife, and it and it can be um, patterns of behavior. And it's a, it's a very complex card and not a happy one. So I'm looking at this from the standpoint of was root work done? If so, far in the past, but it has created trauma. The trauma has led to self-doubt. The client needs a helper. And there are 
three aspects that need to be looked at more deeply because right now the client is in a situation of sadness, sorrow, and tears. And that is my reading. So I'm going to turn this over to Madam Nadia. Wow, Kat. I so feel what you're saying and the sense of self-doubt um, mm-hmm. and also a deep sense of like people that are supposed to tell me the truth are not telling me the truth and I really don't know where to go with it. And I think I can feel it in, in, in what you're saying. I see it in my cards. The first mm-hmm. card that I got is the Seven of Wands. And, I, and I'm looking here, my, I wanted to look at the business aspect because she is asking also about the business. So I figured I'm going to look from the business um, lens, but I'm going to see uh, if we have commonalities here. So the first thing that I see is the Seven of Wands, the sense of having to protect what you have because you're under attack. And you need to find mm-hmm. sort of a safe space from which you are going to protect what you have. And what this client had is the six of one so they had a very successful business they had some success in their business and they are definitely feeling like that is also being taken away from them or they have to work harder and protect it because they're feeling that they're either being misinformed or they kind of questioning themselves and they don't know why um, uh, how to go about it they feel uh, frozen they feel frozen mm-hmm. uh, about the situation, and that is confirmed by the moon, which is the third card. Um, and the moon is telling me that they are uh, that the situation indeed is, an, and is not a happy one. Um, mm-hmm. That I would really suggest guidance, not only in, in terms of spiritual work, but going to somebody who is qualified in terms of the of the business. And um, I pulled another card just out of curiosity, and I got. The, the Four of Swords, which is, again, the sort of sense of frozen. Things are frozen. Thing, things are being stuck. And I feel that the solution to this uh, is, is not necessarily uh, fighting um, um, an ongoing attack, per se, mm-hmm. but more having to take care of yourself and, and going to the right people to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. but being kind of debilitated and feeling like, well, I'm stuck and I don't know where to go. And the sense, the sadness to me comes that I really hope that this person is not going to wait too long until they get help or at least do some work around it because the time is a factor. Moon is a time card and time is a factor. And I would really recommend looking at the calendar, thinking about timing and doing some work with the moon as well. That's uh, my um, read on the on, on on the situation. Wow! Thank you for taking the business end of that while I looked at the marital end. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is that both of them had within them the idea that there would be a need for a helper, and mm-hmm. um, I find it interesting that this person took the time and effort to go to the Lucky Mojo Forum to sign up to give their very complex question and then, for whatever reason, was not able to be with us on the show. That says to me that there is an issue here with seeking help and needing help. 
and not finding help. So if this person will at a later time listen to this show, um, I think they might gain something from it. Let's all hope they do listen to the show because otherwise they're just shouting pain into the wind. Okay? So um, let's turn this over to Conjurman. He's going to do root work advice again as if the client were here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope the client hears uh, the readings that they received. I think they were very important and insightful, and hopefully they'll hear the strategies I give. It is important to note that what I provide is going to be useful, but I do think uh, this particular person does need an ongoing counselor, so someone who can walk through them. So this should be the beginning steps that can help, but there should also be a guide along the way here. What I would recommend is to take some rue and agrimony and brew this into a tea. Let it cool a little bit so that it's warm to the touch. Add a handful of salt and pray over it for cleansing. Ms. Kat identified that there may have been something, but it was in the past, and now we're dealing with an issue of uh, something lingering as a result of self-doubt. This is a common feature of crossed conditions where the cross condition, the curse, the evil eye, whatever is removed, but the shadow of it remains because the person is unwilling to step out of the shadow. And so in some ways, it's almost a self-inflicted, self-fulfilling, so that even after the curse or whatever is removed, the person still does it. And it can be an issue, particularly if you're dealing with a long period of time where you've struggled, you can sometimes see it in clients. So I tell clients, there needs to be an element of being able to walk away confidently because self-doubt can help that shadow linger a little so you know you remove the cross condition things are going well but you stub your tongue like, oh, my enemies are back right mm-hmm. it's very important that's obviously an exaggerated example but that's meant to be to help you understand that it's easy for us to fall into that despair um, because mm-hmm. we've lived under under the horrors of that experience for so long, it becomes built in. It becomes something that we have adjusted to, and it takes a bit to adjust out of it. And so it is important to recognize it. So the root work I'm giving here is to both cleanse, but also help you to step away and move forward. So this is the cleansing portion of it. That ruin agrimony brewed into a tea, you add a little bit of salt. Then you go and as you pray over this, you cleanse and purify in the bath. Make sure that you gather a bit of the used bath water to set a bowl down beneath you. It catch just a little bit of it. Wash this out and let yourself air dry. As you are air drying, take a long white ribbon. It should be long enough that you can make a nice big circle around. Make a loop and then knot it. Set this loop down onto the ground and then stand inside of it. So you've got a ribbon around you in a nice big circle and you're standing in the middle of that ribbon. In your left hand, hold the Bible open and in the right hand, hold a pair of scissors. Now you're going to open up the Bible to a particular verse so that you can read from it. Psalm 25 and you're going to read verses 21, uh, 20 to 21. This is a good all-purpose one that both is protective, is healing, it removes cross conditions, but it also can help you remove self-doubt as well. So you open it up and recite seven times. Guard my soul and save me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness protect me, for I wait for you. Psalm 25, verses 20 to 21. You're going to recite that seven times. On the seventh time, you're going to take the scissor, you're going to kneel down, and you're going to cut the loop so that it is now open. 
step out confidently and proudly, gather up the ribbon that you have cut, place it into a heat-proof bowl, a nice heat-proof bowl or dish. Be mindful that you have some space. If it's really jam-packed in there, you want to be very careful because you're going to set this baby on fire. Douse it with just a little bit of Florida water, light a match, and fling it in and let it burn. So this is why you want that heat-proof bowl to be a little bit bigger, a heat-proof dish, or maybe a, a cauldron. You don't want the ribbon to kind of flail, or you don't want it to accidentally spark elsewhere. This is best done outside on some concrete. So you're going to put that ribbon in that cauldron or in that heat-proof bowl, put some Florida water, light it, and let it burn all the way to ash. Let it melt away the things that have held you back, the things that have kept you from your joy, from your happiness, from success. Let it all burn away with the Florida water. Once it's cooled, you're going to take that with that small bit of used bath water that you saved from earlier. Put some clothes on because you've been doing this all naked. Uh, and air drying. Walk to the crossroads and dispose of both the ashes of the ribbon and the bath water, throwing them over your left shoulder. Walk away and do not look back. This is the key. Do not look back. If you look back, you are doubtful. If you're fearful, that's a sign. If you look back, oh, did someone see me? Up. Oh, they're introducing doubt. So without any doubt, walk away. Return home and get yourself a John the Conqueror root. Feed it a bit of whiskey and carry it in your pocket or purse as your personal charm for confidence, power, and success. This is a really great working. It's got three parts. It's got the bathing part, the ribbon part, and then the John the Conqueror route. It can help to remove any lingering curse should it be there, but it also helps to address removing the shadow that, so that you can step forward in confidence with that John the Conqueror route in your pocket. That said... I fully encourage you to work with a root worker in this process. If this person is hearing me, reach out to a root worker who can walk you through this step-by-step, who can provide further customization, who can provide maybe perhaps a custom-made mojo bag of some sort with this John McConquer root. So I definitely encourage you to work with someone. But this is my recommendation. Let's see if Ms. Kat and Madam Nadia have anything further to add. Wow. So I love the way you always make it very clear how the spells are to be done. Thank you very much. Mm. And the fact that this is a three-part spell. So the other thing I have to add to this is why rue and why agrimony? So for people who are unfamiliar with these herbs, rue is an herb that is used both against the evil eye and against curses. And agrimony is the herb that is used to repel a curse once it has been sent to you. It's not protective against new curses. It's the one that kind of wipes the old ones away. So that's why ruin agrimony together. And um, very, very good choice. And why John the Conqueror? Because that is the root, most powerful root of power. So that's to up your power, mm-hmm. reduce your self-doubt. So that was really good. Madam Nadia, do you have anything quick to add? No, this was just an amazing, amazing working. Okay. All righty. Well, I'll tell you something. You can't go wrong getting contraband on these root work recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) It's always nice. All right. That's our music, and that means that we are... Now, going to go 
to the announcement in which we talk about the Lucky Mojo Radio Network, and and we also um, talk about um, what other shows we have. So let's hear that announcement. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Madam Nadia. MadamNadia.com in Chicago, Illinois. Take it away, Madam Nadia. Thank you. So the work today is really um, geared for when we are either in a place where we are too emotionally confused or attached or we have a really difficult decision to make and we don't know how to be centered and judgmental, but I guess not in a negative way, where we are opening ourselves to wisdom of um, the highest good for ourselves and for the situations. Like when you... Try to figure out if you should tax your mother-in-law, for instance. You know, that's, 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 stuff like that has consequences. So you, you better, like, really know what you want to do. No, I'm just kidding. For really any, any situation where we have, uh, we, we have doubt, and um, I, I talk about it a lot to my uh, students, as we have doubt. Things don't work. Spirit doesn't listen. We have, to be, we have to be there real with what we're doing in order to be real with what we're doing. We have to, to take time and be self-compassionate. So how do we do that? Uh, for me, there is um, this ritual, and I call it the framework for compassionate uh, judgment or compassionate self-inquiry. And um, what you need for it is uh, two black candles, one red candle, one white candle. You'll need a bowl with some water in it, um, a pinch of salt, and uh, put an ice cube in that uh, water. And you're going to have a holy oil, blessing oil, to use on your candles. The candles can be paper candles. They can be uh, glass candles. The idea is that you keep those candles for when you do this. This is not a one-time thing, and I became a self-compassionate, enlightened being. This is every time I have a situation and I need to go deeper and I really need to do some work with myself and whatever it is that I am uh, worshiping or uh, my spiritual guidance or whatever it is. And uh, um, the arrangement is going uh, to be... uh, um, um, we're going to put a black candle on the, uh, on the left, we're going to put a red candle on the top, another black candle on the right, and the white candle is going to go on the bottom. And what I would like us to do before this, when we do this work, is to, to sit down and maybe do our cleansing the, the bath before and then start thinking about the situation. So kind of get into it, really start feeling the feelings that we have about it. And... Uh, to start separating the, the things that are preventing us to go deeper and really see the truth. So we're going to take a deep breath. 
We're going to focus our energy on what is going to be the reason that we're doing this work. What is it we're trying to achieve or maybe to, to see or decide or judge. And just letting this intensity kind of like fill us up until we're ready to perform the work. And then just to hold the hands over the candles and bless the candles for the work. So uh, b those candles must be uh, consecrated. And the idea for them is that each candle is going to represent uh, those feelings, and it's going to be a vessel that will hold those feelings safely while we are doing the work, because those feelings are really not the best thing. These are not enemies, these are protectors. So there is a, 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 a container for uh, guilt, a container for shame, a container for anger, and then there is a container that is going to collect things that maybe are there from previous generations, from past, from the ancestors. And so the, the first candle on the left is for guilt, and we're going to bless the candle. For my work today, I consecrate the candle to be a sacred vessel. This is a good work, in a sacred vessel, holding safely and respectfully all of my feelings of guilt, containing all the residual vibration of cosmic guilt that aren't mine but are holding me down as I reconnect with my soul's highest purpose. And then put three drops of your oil in that candle and, and, and say amen. And then go to your next candle. This is the red candle. This is shame. And the same thing for my work today, I consecrate this light. And you bless it and you say it. This is a safe vessel and I respectfully put my shame in here for the time that I'm doing this work. And you do the same for anger. And then when you get um, to the candle that represents your ancestors, I, I want you to really connect and call upon those that came before you. And those are your ancestors that you know in your blood, but also the ones that you look up to that passed your guides that walk this earth. And I want you to invoke whatever it is that's connecting you to the most original, original, original ancestor. All of the death line is going to hold the, the vibrations that are not necessary for you of shame, anger, and guilt in that candle. And then the water is there to simply be, transform this energy and also cool us down. And so after invoking the ancestors, we are calling to really be true to our intention and true to our desires, and this is what the work is for. And after blessing all of the candles, we're just going to take some time, and each one can take whatever time that is, that's needed for them, to sit and meditate while they know that those things are contained for this period of time. And everyone knows when they're done. This is not, again, this is when you start feeling that it's, you, you start feeling bad from it, it means that your shame and your guilt need to come back home. Okay? So for now, we're done. Mm -hmm. but, but, but when you come out of there, there is much more understanding about yourself that is understanding of goodness. And it's going to give you an amazing way to look at the things that otherwise almost impossible to see and touch. Wow. I I have one thing wow. that 
I thought you were going to say, and you didn't say, so I'm just going to throw it out there. The ice is there to cool the situation down. And you said you'll be you'll know when the time is done. Me, being who I am, says when the ice melts, it's done. Here you go. Here you go. This, but this is the beautiful thing. You know why? Because I can see how your soul is responding to it in your own way. I know when I need to stop. Mm. It's like you know, when we do love That's work, cool. when we say some people say three months, and some people say mm-hmm. until my next birthday. It's a personal <laughs> thing, but this is the beauty mm-hmm. of it. I love it. Thank you so much, Madam Nadia. Beautiful spell, wonderful work. Well, there is our music, so we've got to turn our time over to Clifford, who's going to give us our ending announcements, and we'll come back and say a few words, and then we'll all say goodbye. So take it away, Clifford. Thank you, Ms. Cat and Countryman, and a special thanks to Madam Nadia of MadamNadia.com in Chicago, Illinois, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next, next week when our special guest is Heidi Holton of HeidiHolton.com in North Carolina, North Carolina on the topic of the road to marriage. Once again, we've come mm. to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour. Um, brought to you by Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And you'll find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at luckyforum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at Conjureman Consulting in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from clifflow.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody, and goodbye. Thank you, Clifford. And I want to give a shout-out to some of our wonderful people in the chat, Um, Onyx Rose, uh, Tony I, uh, El Patricia, Gladiator, Dr. Sweet, Cousin Joshua, and Angela L., especially people we know and love. Um, any of you guys can come and become regulars in our chat and learn a lot. But I know that many people listen to these shows in archive. All right, we're getting ready for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival in August. So watch um, the AIR uh, Facebook page and um, Lucky Mojo Instagram page and so forth. Many, many AIR members will be advertising this through their own sites Every other week we have a video, and the videos are about the different workshops. We've already had um, two videos, one announcing the program and the next one announcing Dr. Jeremy Weiss's Not Spells. We're going to have more videos every other week, so check them out. And if you feel so moved, get your tickets, and um, you'll get goodie boxes, and you'll be part of the 15th Annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. All right, everybody. Good night. Good night, all. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.